Hello and welcome to another episode of the Total Football Analysis Bundesliga podcast. Um, obviously, no games uh, to dissect, but Cam and I are continuing to uh, come up with ideas. And we've had some emails as well, which we'll come on to a little bit later on, um, as to what we can record the podcast on. And we decided to have a look at some of the young North American talent that uh, is currently applying its trade in the Bundesliga. And to do that, we uh, invited on one of our American staff members, um, Scott Martin. Hello, Scott. Hey, David. Thank you for having me on the program. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Scott. Uh, Scott, if you could just give us a little introduction about yourself and what you do for Total Football Analysis. And by all means, this is your 30 seconds to plug anything that you want to plug. Go for it. Oh, perfect. All right. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Coach Scott Copy. And my focus with uh, total football analysis is on the La Liga side of business. So I do tend to, to write some in-depth articles on Real Madrid in particular. Uh, so we do look at some Bundesliga players, especially Hakimi, for this upcoming week. So be on the lookout for that. Excellent. Uh, and Cam, uh, as always, is here. Uh, here you are, Cam. Hello, Cam. How are you? All right. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, Cam. Um, and tell us a little bit about what you've been up to in the last week, uh, particularly article-wise, anything that you've written. Uh, by the time this goes out, I'll have written another coaching piece on how to coach rest defence, um, which kind of follows on from account pressing articles, which I've done as well. So, yeah. And I think I think that's uh, something, before we get into the podcast, that is something that would be really great to just very quickly bring up, is that, um, Total Football Analysis you know, is, is an excellent resource for your scout reports, um, you know, match analyses, head coach analysis. Obviously, right now, with, with uh, a lack of games, we are still pumping out different kinds of analysis. And there is, because, because of the lack of games, there is a lot more um, coaching work on there. So if you're a coach and you're listening to this and you, know, you want to spend some time investing in yourself um, in this time off, then jump on. There's some some really great uh, coaching analysis, and that's something that I'm hoping to add to as well in the coming weeks. Um, okay, so let's jump straight into it. And um, we said North American rather than um, just players from the USA because we would like to talk about Alfonso Davies. Um, but before we do, it, I think yeah, it'd be a good idea to talk through other than Davies, the players that we're going to bring up in this podcast. Um, we're going to talk about Tyler Adams, uh, Gio Reyna, Josh Sargent. And Weston McKenney. Was there anyone else that I've missed? I, I think that's everyone, isn't it, Cam? Uh, yeah. I mean, there are there are a few others which I might chip in on sometimes. There are a few others. No, well, I, I mentioned Fabian Johnson to you earlier, and you just said, nah, he's rubbish. So, <laughs> um... John Brooks would be the, uh, the other big one. Yeah, I've got John Brooks. On, so. Yeah, and, and you know what? John, and obviously, you know, John Brooks as well is, is only, <laughs> I feel like he's been around forever, but he's only 26. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about John Brooks as well later. Why not? Okay, um, Scott, do you have any preference of who we jump into? Any, any one of those players that really stands out to you? Is any one of those players that um, in the USA right now is sort of seen as as the beacon of hope as such? I know that the, the US national team has struggled to sort of um, replicate anywhere near the success of the the women's uh, national team. So. Um, is there anyone there that's seen in, in the men's in the men's game as someone that, that could be the player to to you know help bring about some good times? Well, so looking at the national team, it, 
Christian Pulisic, you know, former Dortmund player, is definitely still the guy. Uh, he is the one that you know we've really placed our hopes on. But now we're really trying to supplement the attack, get some talent around him. And when you look at the, the players that we have available, uh, I think the one that we're most excited about is Gio Reyna. Now he's he's given us the, the same kind of hope. Uh, you know, he has the same kind of hype here <laughs> that we saw with Christian Pulisic just a few years ago. Um, you know, it's they've started their career in a very similar way, uh, both starting as teenagers at Dortmund, uh, getting quality minutes and and really making the most of them. Uh, as I was doing some research for the podcast, I was surprised to find that Gio Reyna actually has the most actions per 90 minutes of any American in the Bundesliga. So he's very active uh, with the, the limited minutes that he's seen so far. And he's shown a versatility that you know I don't necessarily think we have here in America. So um, knowing that we can play him left, right, or center, uh, maybe even as a second striker, you know, if we were to play with uh, two up top, that's an exciting prospect for us. And again, it, I think it allows us to to really make sure that Christian Pulisic gets to play within his strength, you know, get to a strongest position, uh, but then also kind of limits the the job that some of these other complementary players have in front of them. So, looking at Gio Reyna, um, you know. Hopes are high for him. His dad, Claudio, uh, Manchester City legend, um, you know, back back in the the late '90s and early 2000s, you could argue he was the best American player on the team. Uh, certainly the most creative and intelligent. Uh, just a phenomenal ten to watch. So I think Geo does carry a little bit of that burden with him. Um, you can see in his style of play that he he does carry a little bit of his dad's intelligence, his his creativity. Um, much better dribbler than his dad was. It's, it's... Yeah, and I think I think that's uh, that's something that's really stood out to me about Gio Reyna is that I mean, and this isn't just in in, in U.S. youth soccer. This is this is just a, a general issue. I think that. Um, that countries <clears throat> around Europe and, and around the world are really trying to um, to find a problem for it, is making sure that that our youth systems are able to develop, you know, Lino Messi, Jaden Sancho's players that are uh, individual talents that are confident taking players on in one v one situations, and I think that for too long the uh, talent of taking a of being confident enough to take a player on and beat a player um, has been has been neglected, and I, I think with Gio Reyna, you're, I mean, you know, he's had he's not had vast minutes yet, but from what we've seen from him, he's very confident on the ball. He's excellent in tight spaces, um, and he makes he makes great decisions. And you know, I'm not saying that Gio Reyna by any means is going to be the next um, you know world superstar, but he looks he looks very promising. Um, I would say he's an, he's an outstanding talent. I know in pre-season, um, before the start of this season, that a lot of Dortmund fans were very excited about him. And it was perhaps a little surprising that um, we didn't get to see him until, you know, the feature, uh, in, you know, until later in the season. So um, 
I know Dortmund fans have high hopes for him as well. Just, just you know, as a team itself, right? Not just the um, the US na- men's national team. Um, so, Scott, yeah, anything else you'd like to add a- add about uh, about Rayner? Yeah. So when you look at his his dribbles on a per ninety basis, he's attempting nine point six, and he's had success in seven point two. So that's a seventy five percent success rate. And you know, David, we've we've had this conversation in the past. It's, uh, fun fact: uh, David and I, or David's former club here in the USA, and my current club, are arch rivals. Uh, so we've had this discussion <laughs> in the past uh, about the the lack of, you know, individual talents who can just break a game open. Um, from my perspective as a, a coach here in the USA, as an analyst, watching Giovanni Reina play uh just just gives me some hope that that maybe you know we've got someone who can complement Pulisic and who can really provide a spark up top and provide better service to our forwards and uh Cam you were telling me before the podcast went out how impressed you were with uh with Reina's goal in um against Werder Bremen uh it was a consolation goal they, that Dortmund lost 3-2 but it was a, an outstanding piece of skill and a fantastic finish and then of course uh Reina got the assist um in Dortmund's first leg 2-1 win over Paris Saint-Germain for Haaland's rather outstanding uh, second goal in that game. Um, Okay, so let's move on from Gio Reyna. And I know Cam is chomping at the bit to talk about Weston McKennie. Cam, give us a little overview of Weston McKennie. So obviously he's at at Schalke. He kind of epitomises what Schalke's midfield in particular is about pretty much. So he's... He's a fairly defensive man in midfielder and his stats seem to show it as well. So he's got 7.52 interceptions per 90, uh, 9.13 recoveries and then only 4.29 passes into the final third. Some of them are long passes as well. Um, so like the rest of Schalke's midfield, is pressing is his main his main um, skill really. Um, he can run all day like Schalke's midfield. So again, he's he's a good role player, and I seem to mention that a lot about Schalke, um, with the midfielders like Serdar as well. They all kind of, they're all almost kind of the same kind of player, and so when Schalke do win the ball back, you do then get the question of now what do we do with it because the creativity is fairly limited, and uh, Weston McKennie isn't a player who's going to play a defence splitting pass. He's zero assists this season. Um, but that isn't his role within the team, so it's. it's it, I'd be interested to hear how he plays within the um within the national team. Yeah, so within the national team, he's moved around a little bit. Um, for the most part, we've seen him play the eight, you know, going box to box. He's mostly had success there. Um, going forward, I think he is probably our best eight. So at times when we've moved Christian Pulisic out to the wings rather than at the ten, we've moved McKenney up higher. But Cam, like you said, the the creativity, uh, the ability to play that final pass, is not quite there. Um, so you know, I think for our national team, it's we'd probably be better suited playing something like a four-two-three-one, dropping him in next to uh, Tyler Adams as a double pivot. Um, but the work rate, uh, like you mentioned, it, it's that really is his strength. He's a fantastic interceptor of the passes. Uh, he's willing to put in a tackle, and I think from from our perspective, he's he's just that vocal leader that we need on the field. Uh, when you look at a lot of our top players, they are fairly quiet guys. 
um, especially with our attackers, we tend to have more of the, the quiet creators <laughs> for what that's worth. <laughs> but uh, yeah, with McKenna, you see a hard-nosed midfielder, um, someone who's just a presence all over the center of the pitch. So do do we think? I mean, so uh, one of the one of the questions that I was um, hoping to ask both of you was, I mean, we have plenty of examples of players through the years that have been versatile, and you could say that there have been times where that sort of held that player back. They maybe haven't found their one true position. But it sounds things you both feel that you know he's a sort of a. a at least a sort of deep lying midfielder, not necessarily a playmaker, but a deep lying mid, uh, central midfielder. I mean, this season he's played on the wing, he's played at fullback, he's played centre back as well as central midfield. Um, do, so, do you guys think that his versatility could be something that holds him back, or do you think that's something that makes him perhaps a more uh, attractive prospect for let's let's say, for argument's sake, a bigger team than Schalke? Uh, I, I think versatility is only gonna it's only gonna help him. I think. Um... In terms of Schalke, he's played he's played centre back a few times, which, uh, to be honest, to begin with, I was a bit pessimistic over. But he, he performed quite well there, and again, it was because of his his defensive abilities. So fullback as well, he's not he's not an offensive fullback either. So with any any of the defensive areas, I think he can play there, and it, it helps also being a deep line midfield and being able to play centre back just in terms of forming those back frees and dropping. Um, to overcome presses, which we've talked about in podcasts before as well. So I, I think it can only help him. So I don't mind the versatility, uh, but I would like him to maybe focus more on a box-to-box role. And within that position, look for those positional interchanges with the, the players around him. Um, so, you know, that that does add a little bit of a an element of tactical surprise. You know, and there's some unpredictability there. I don't think he excels in some of these other roles, but he can at least be serviceable there. So why not pull him back to his his strongest position and then from there give him some additional freedoms? That's my preference. And, uh, you know, I I think we see that a little bit more with the national team, uh, in particular because he is one of our highest quality players. Um, So there is a little more freedom there. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would like to see him a little more focused. So, you know, t- two players down here. And I think um, with, with Rayner, we're, we're saying, you know, outstanding talent. Uh, I'd like to see more of him. With McKenney, we're saying phenomenal athlete, perhaps needs a little fine-tuning. And, um, you know, Cam's all full of versatility. Scott maybe thinks, you know, he needs to sort of zone in on one position. Um, one player that I'm really keen to discuss, and I... Uh, Scott's already mentioned Tyler Adams, and that's another one we'll come on to. But one player I really want to discuss, um, and if you're a football manager fan, he's probably been on your radar for some time, uh, is Josh Josh Sargent. Um, <coughs> sorry, old. So, um, I mean, Cam, you'd probably be a good person to jump in on uh, Josh Sargent. Um, obviously, plays at Werder Bremen. Yeah, so, I mean, a while ago, I started having a look at Werder Bremen and they're such a frustrating team to watch sometimes because the way Kofeld tries to make them play is really good, but just half the time just don't execute it properly. And the sergeant's quite, again, he kind of epitomises this. Um, Kofeld's called him out a few times just on his consistency because sometimes his, his movement and his touch um, 
in terms of build up, which is the main role he, he tries to play within Bremen's team uh, to try and progress play and kind of link midfield and attack. Sometimes his movement and his touches in tight spaces are really good, and then sometimes he's just got he's hopeless sometimes. So there's definitely potential there, and he's he's got a he's modelled himself in a in a unique way. He's not a typical striker that you see. Uh, so there's some potential there, but he just needs to start showing some consistency. Yeah. So since you guys watch him a little more often, um, at that striker position, where do you see him really growing? I mean, we've watched him in the Youth World Cup, and you know, at times it was just unfair. You know, man among boys up top. Um, so it couldn't really get a good read on on what he could bring to the pro and uh, you know top national team levels. So where do you guys see him progressing? I think I, th- I think for me personally, I mean, um, I think he needs to. Uh, I think he needs to impose himself on games a little more. I think he can be a little bit of a bystander at times. Um, he hits the target, for, you know, forty-seven percent of uh, shots he's hit the target within the Bundesliga this year, which isn't bad at all. Um, but he's he's not scoring enough goals, and that's something that he needs to change. Yeah, he got three goals this season uh, for Werder Bremen in eighteen uh, Bundesliga games, um, which which isn't great. Some of those were subs, uh, you know, coming on the subs bench, but the, for the most part, those were games that he started. Um, so I think. I mean, it sounds a little bit obvious, but I think the one thing he needs to get a bit better at is he needs to be more prolific in front of goal. Um, if I'm looking at this now, he's only had 17 shots on target. So uh, that's that's really not great, bearing in mind that he's played 18 games. Obviously, I said some of those are substitute appearances that averages out as 1.71 shots per game. Um, so perhaps he needs to be getting himself uh, a little bit uh, in, in better positions. Having said that... Um, the shots that he is he is scoring from. I mean, his xG is is two point eight five. So, um, he's he's really sort of about where he should be finishing wise. So it's not like he's underperforming or anything. Cam, do you want to jump in on that? Yeah. So just on the areas that he's getting into, he's. I don't I don't know if he really wants to be a striker because he's he's certainly if he is a striker, he's a link up player striker. He, he drops deep and gets into positions to. Allow his teammates to get into into better positions. So, if you just look at some lineups of Werder Bremen, sometimes he's listed as a ten. Um, so in the game against Hertha Berlin, he's listed as a as a number ten with Rashika and Bittencourt ahead of him. Um, this might be just because of his his position; he drops all the time. Um, so that just might be a factor within him not getting that many goal scoring opportunities. But 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 I agree. He sometimes he. You don't know what's him in games, and he and he doesn't get into those areas, and then sometimes he does. So consistency is the key thing, really. So, Cam, let me ask you. So you mentioned he's dropping in. Is is that a function of Bremen really needing him to drop in and assist with progressing the ball, or or is that would you say just that's his style of play? Like he prefers to drop in. So when I've seen him, especially with the national sides. Uh, I have seen a guy who likes to play back to goal uh, and a little higher up the pitch. So there does seem to be a little bit of a, a difference between the way he's utilized with club and country. Yes, Werder Bremen like to play with uh, progressive passes from the centre-backs. So there is there is that kind of element of receiving vertical passes with his back to goal. And then 
playing uh, sideways passes into teammates and kind of turning and sprinting into the space. Um, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, could you go into a bit more detail about how he plays for uh, the national team? I could probably give you a better answer. Yeah, so with the national team, he, he actually plays it pretty similarly to how we'd see uh, Josie Altador play the position where he does tend to uh, try to get himself isolated with one of the two center backs, um, slightly slanted off to the half spaces so he can play off of the two wide forwards. Uh, but yeah, we'll play into him and you know he'll either look to set to his 10 or maybe kick the ball out wide, head it onto them. Um, yeah, not so much a player that uh, that has the ball at his feet too much until you know we really are progressing the attack to uh, to really start the attack on goal. So it is definitely a slightly different uh, setup, different different usage. But you know, again, I, I do wonder if that could be a product of the contrasting systems and the players available. Yeah, it it definitely could. Um, to to be honest, I'm shocked that he's, he's playing that role. But I have only I've only watched him at Hertha, at sorry at Verda, to be honest. So okay, let's uh let's go on to um, Tyler Adams, uh, who's obviously at RB Leipzig, and he's someone I've been really impressed with. Um, I know that last season, obviously, uh, was his first season with Leipzig, and he he played as a defensive midfielder there. Um, whereas this season. We have seen Julian Nagelsmann use him uh, mainly as a right back or right wing back. Scott, um, from from a US perspective, Scott, uh, do you see? So I'm gathering that you see Adams as a pivot. Is that down more to the sort of player that you see him as, or is that down to the strength and depth that the US have in other areas, perhaps? It's definitely a little bit of both. He, I think, like McKinney, can cover a lot of ground in the midfield that will give a little more freedom to the players ahead of them. So I, I do like that that pairing. Uh, but we also have Serginho Desta at right back. So, you know, why not try and get both of those players on the field? You know, Adams can definitely play right back. Um, he's very good at it. We've used him in a, the system before where in the attacking phase, he does move from right back to a six. Uh, something Greg Berhalter has used um, also with Nick Lima. In the national setup, but I would just like to see Tyler Adams play more centrally, uh, be a ball winner in the midfield, and you know I think between him and McKinney, there, there's a little more consistency in the attack with Adams as well. So you know why not put him centrally, let him cover ground, restart attacks, and uh, leave the wings to Serginho Dest. And uh, and Dest is a player that we might be seeing in the Bundesliga sooner rather than later. Uh, Dest himself confirmed last month that he did visit, uh, I believe, the Bayern uh, Munich uh, training uh, ground, uh, which is an interesting uh, development going on there. Um, I think that would make sense for Bayern as well with Kimmich moving into central midfield. And I know Pavar wants to play as a centre-back, so that could be something that we see happen there. Um, for me personally, with Tyler Adams, I've been, I mean, I, I know Scott's impressive as a defensive midfielder. I have been very impressed with him playing uh, as a right wing back for Leipzig. I think he offers something a little bit different from that position. He is an athlete. Um, 
he's he's good on the ball. He's quick. And uh, I like him playing as a conventional right back or conventional right wing back getting forward down the line. Leipzig often like their right wing back to push up very high um, to offset Werner uh, dropping out onto the, the left side as he, as he likes to do and gives him a front three. However, what Leipzig have also done is they've tapped into Adam's ability to play central. And when he's played as a right wing back, we've also seen him drop in and play as a uh, central midfielder in build-up play, inverting, making a sort of late switch inside, uh, evading getting picked up and being an easier option uh, to play forward. So I've liked seeing him do that for Leipzig. Cam, any thoughts on Tyler Adams? Um, I had a question for you, actually. Um, for me? Yeah. <laughs> Go on, okay. Does Tyler Adams start in Leipzig's best team if they play... Let's go. They play the three-four-three. Does he start? And where? It's interesting. If they, I think <laughs> if they play a three-four-three, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be devil's advocate here and say that if they play a three, let's say they play a three-five-two, I think he has an argument to be in that lineup, um, despite not playing huge amounts this year. But he has an argument to be in that lineup purely because I think he does often something a little bit different to what Nordi Mukiele does. However, I, I am a big Nordi Mukiele fan. And uh, I think if Leipzig are looking to have their wing-back push on and push on high, to, as I mentioned earlier, to l- allow Werner to drop out onto that left side and, and create sort of a, a symmetric 4-3-3 or a 3-4-3, then... Um, I think Mukiele is is the better option. But I think if they're looking for some flexibility with having the wing back invert every now and then and receive the ball, then I, I don't think there can be a comparison with with you know a player dropping inside to receive the ball between Adams and Mukiele. You're definitely going to want Adams uh, playing inside. Um, what do you think, Cam? Um, I mean, as a central midfielder, I, I like Adams. But then if we're talking about Leipzig's 3-4-3... Uh, mm. Comrade Lima has had an excellent season and is pretty much nailed on starter now. And Marcel Sabitzer has played centre mid in a free in a three four three as well and has been brilliant. So, I mean, it... here's my question. Sorry to jump in on that, and this is going off topic a little bit, but this is something that I've been thinking about a lot recently, uh, <laughs> which possibly means I need to get out more. Um, Sabitzer, I I know, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> Are we having Sabitzer uh, as a centre midfielder as his best position? Um, think about that a second. <laughs> That's a difficult question, isn't it? I mean, and you're right, he's had an outstanding season and I love him playing such a midfielder, but I also really like him playing on the wing. I also really like him playing as a 10. Um, I think he's got a lot to offer in a lot of different positions. So that, I, I say it's off topic, but your answer on that question may uh, point us in the right direction of whether Adam should be starting. Uh, within that three-four-three, I think Sabitzer's best position is central midfield, just because how Leipzig play. Um, with their offensive style, everybody's so compact and close together when they've got the ball that central midfield and um, wing really isn't that much difference anyway. And in terms of just his, his out of possession ability as well, that's excellent as well. Um, and I think if you put Adams 
in with that, you lose some of that offensive ability that Sabitz has got. So I do think that's his that's his best position because, I mean, he's, he's played her all season, had probably his best season at Leipzig. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he has. Yeah, and I mean, just within the counter-pressing structure as well, he works excellently. And it, it, I mean, I recently did a um, TFA podcast with Gary Kearney, which you can have a look at um, somewhere. <laughs> and that was that was on defensive transitions and Sabitz was picked out quite a lot in the clips that I had of Avi Leipzig. Um, so I think if you put him in one of those central midfield positions where lots of the counter-pressing comes from, just because it's in the central areas of the pitch and they're hung back a little bit, and then, you, then you've got an advantage as well. But, I mean, Tyler Adams is also excellent at it, so it goes to show Leipzig's depth, which sometimes goes a little bit unnoticed, I think. Yeah, and I think something that uh, I know you've written about for this month's magazine, Cam, is on tactical flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, when we look at Leipzig, we look at you know how tactically flexible they are, how tactically flexible Joe Nagelsmann is. But also, you, you mentioned a three-four-three. They, they've also played a three-five-two. They've also played a four-two-three-one. You know, they they are flexible with their formations as well. And I think you know one of the big advantages with Adams is that you know he can play different positions and he can bring something different to those positions as well. Um, okay, let's move on to. Wait, is that all of our American players done? So does that mean we're going... Yeah, oh, Brooks. let's talk about John Brooks. Before we go on to Alfonso Davies, who is the real sort of uh, curse and closer. Um, yeah, let's talk about John Brooks. Absolutely. I mean, John Brooks, uh, very dominant aerially. I think he ranks ninth this season for um, aerial dual win percentage uh, in the Bundesliga. So um, very strong in the air. I think that he has some weaknesses as well. But I mean, I'll, I'll let you guys jump in. Um, on that, Scott, let's hear from you on John Brooks. Yeah, so with the national team, uh, like you said, very strong in the air. He's someone that we try to pick out on set pieces. Uh, remember, he oh, maybe well, it was a little while ago, he had the uh, the headed goal off a corner kick late in the game in the World Cup. So uh, he is someone we do like to target. He's also someone that we need to desperately pair with a maybe a smaller, quicker center back who can maybe lack up for that uh, you know, the, the lack of mobility at the back. So uh, maybe you know Berhalter wants to experiment with a, a three-back system. Um, you know that could be a good fit for for John Brooks as well. But yeah, I mean he's really the one guy uh, that we have in our national team right now who is locked in at center back. You know, whenever he's healthy, when he's with the team, he's he's a starter. He's the number one guy. Uh, so very important player for us and uh, happy to see that he's having another good season in the Bundesliga and that uh, looks like European plays hopefully just on the horizon. And I think, I think he looks better since... Uh, well, I thought he started off strong, um, but I think... I think his form was uh, very much in in line with uh, Wolfsburg's as well. I think um, as their three four three started to unravel slightly, I remember the uh, Dortmund three 0 win over Wolfsburg, where he did struggle. Um, I think he won one defensive duel that entire game, um, and he he was isolated, and I think that showed that showed his 
his weaknesses, um, like you said earlier, his, his lack of mobility. But I think since Wolfsburg has started using a back four uh, more frequently, I think since he's been paired um, more so with Kanaka, um, yeah, I think he's looked a, a lot better. Cam, anything that you would like to jump in on with uh, with John Brooks? Just on that three at the back point, really. Um, I mean, to to play as a centre back in a three at the back, unless you're very well protected in the centre, you are going to get isolated sometimes. And you do need um, mobile, good, good one v one defenders, and John Brooks isn't isn't really that. I I do I, I do quite like him as a player. Um, he's good at he's he's good at the basics of. Being a centre back, I'd, I'd say pretty much, like you mentioned, 60, 63% aerial duels won. Um, and when he's got protection in front of him, his positioning's okay. Um, and he's, he's, a, he's a decent Bundesliga centre half. He's he's playing at probably the highest level he's going to get to, I'd say. Hmm. And I think, I think, you know, what you said about the back three is absolutely spot on, Cam. And I think that perhaps uh, he got away with it at first with Glasner's back three because. Earlier in the season, Wolfsburg were quite effective at forcing the opposition into playing long balls. And when you're playing a back three, it's got Jeff, well, had Jeffrey Bremer in alongside John Brooks. That's a strong aerial presence. Um, but it was when teams were able to isolate and create space in between. That's when we, we saw them struggle. Um, okay, let's jump on to our last play. And this is the, obviously, as I said earlier, the reason why we went with North American rather than US. And I think one of the big uh, breakout stars in European football this year has been Alfonso Davies. He's someone that Bundesliga fans and fans of North American football would have been aware, uh, aware of for some time. But he had a real sort of coming out party in the Champions League uh, fixture at Stamford Bridge. Um, where the English audience was really properly introduced to him and he had a, he had a fantastic game. Um, Can tell us a little about Alfonso Davies and what kind of player he is. We have spoken about him before in the podcast, but um, I'd like to hear just sort of a, a brief overview again. That'd be great. Yeah, well, um, when Bayern signed him, I think he was he was a left winger for, uh, was it Vancouver? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's... He's been turned into a left back, and he's the f- the first thing you'd think from that is defensively he's going to be a bit a bit frail, but his, his physical attributes help him in that. In terms of his his pace is uh, ridiculous at times. I mean, and 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 his dribbling ability as well. So with Bayern's build up play now, it's it's pretty much it's almost going asymmetrical towards Alfonso Davies. So if they if they can make space um, for Davies by going to a free at the back. And Davis can pick the ball up midway through uh, Bayern's own half. Then he can he can dribble all the way up the pitch and get at least a, a scoring opportunity for for Bayern. I mean, they scored two near enough identical goals from it, which I think we've talked about. Mm. So he, his dribbling ability and his offensive abilities are excellent. And then defensively, he's not he's not too bad either. Something that I wrote wrote about actually, funny enough, in this month's uh, Total Football Analysis magazine that's going to be coming out um, soon. Is is about the the impact of Thiago and and a deep pivot uh, operating sort of in between uh, a centre back pairing and something that I've seen Arsenal do, which I talk about in the uh, article as well, is uh, Chaka often makes. Um, so let me say again, I said Chaka. Chaka uh, often drops off at an angle rather than between the centre backs, which Thiago seems to do uh, so frequently. Chaka often drops off at an angle. Um, 
sort of a 45 degree angle and in doing so looks to bring the sort of right winger forward in the press which um, gives um, and that gives Bukayo Saka space and and he's not he's not quite the player Davies is but he's a similar profile he came in to the Arsenal team as a, as a left winger and he's being used as a, as a left back um, and it's a similar thing just that tiny movement is able to create enough space to release um, the, the the left back in sort of a wing back slash left winger position. I think that's something that uh, would be interesting to see if, if if Bayern start to do as well. Because so often, as you say, Cam, you see Thiago drop in, receive that ball, and then just hit that diagonal straight over to to Davies. And he's so dangerous um, when he's given space. But then at the same time, if you close him down, you're opening up space otherwise. And obviously, as we know, Bayern have got players that can hurt you um, across the pitch. Um, Scott, anything you'd like to add about Alfonso Davies? Has he been someone that uh, stood out to you? And, and obviously, with him being Canadian, um, does does he get as much press in the states as the aforementioned uh, young US men's players that we've spoken about already? Uh, well, he certainly did when Canada beat USA for the first time in what, forty years, uh, just last year. So he was a big reason for that that Canadian victory. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember even before the transfer to Bayern, uh, he was just eating MLS defenses alive. Uh, no one really could handle his 1v1 ability. When he got by a defender, uh, he had the pace to to make sure that was a definitive uh, 1v1 win. So yeah, he's he's definitely someone we, we see a lot here in the States. Uh, Fox broadcast all the uh, the Bundesliga games here, and so it's almost every Bayern Munich game is on live TV. Uh, and Davies, of course, is one of our North American heroes, so we do give him a lot of press. And he's something or someone who we, as uh, American fans in particular, uh, really paying attention to for when that that next USA Canada matchup comes along. Okay, yeah, and and. Uh... Obviously, Canada have got Jonathan David coming through as well, who um, is an exciting talent playing at Ghent. Um, so it could be a exciting time uh, coming up for fans of Canadian football. Um, brilliant. Thank you so much to Scott for, for coming on uh, this week. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, we do encourage emails. We've had an email uh, asking Cam, who's the email from? Give him a shout out. And it is... Robert Fleming uh, talking about four-two-two systems and different formational tweaks uh, we've had in Germany. So we'd definitely come around to that at some point. Yeah, and we've we've uh, we've lined up a guest to talk about that as well. It's just it's just getting uh, the timings right to get them on. Um, next week, I mean, we, we mentioned Fabian Johnson super briefly earlier. Fabian Johnson's <laughs> out of contract. Um, this summer, but you know, Cam's clearly not a Fabian Johnson fan, um, so we won't be talking about him next week. But we are going to be talking about uh, players that are out of contract. I don't hate him that. Well, Cam, mate, I, I don't dislike him. That oh, much. I, it was he really. Sh- I hope he's not listening. He, you really <laughs> shut me down. You really shut me down when I suggested we talk about him. So um, we're going to be talking about players that are out of contract this summer. If there are any interesting pickups, and not just teams in in Germany, but other teams around Europe and, and around the world could get from the Bundesliga. So thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next week.